Hey friend, thanks for listening to the Fixate Phoenix podcast. We are praying that you are blessed by this week's message. If you would like to partner with the future of Fixate, you can visit fixatephx.com give. The sacrifices that bring me the most fulfillment are when it's 3 a.m. last night here and this wedding, this event venue is, is being cleaned because somebody stayed too long. And I'm here. And I'm praying. And I remember last night I'm sitting right there. It's 3 a.m. I'm praying. And we have to set everything back up at, six, at 7 a.m. this morning. And I'm praying. And you know what I'm realizing is, God, would you always have this fire burn that I will do anything for you? That I will go anywhere. I will talk to any person. I will do whatever is asked. On two hours of sleep, I will preach on Sunday morning and my brain will be a little fried. But I will do it over and over again because depth and discipline leads to sacrifice. If your depth and your discipline does not lead to sacrifice, you have not read the gospel. Jesus' entirety of depth and discipline was to lead to one moment of incredible sacrifice. And I believe sometimes today, some of us were disenfranchised, but we've never actually sacrificed outside of our gift set. To sacrifice in gift set is not hard. To sacrifice within what you're good at, that is not hard. To sacrifice when it costs you. To sacrifice when it's uncomfortable. To sacrifice when it's unsightly. Those are the things that when people look at you, they say, wow, I, nobody functions like that. Why is that? A few years ago, I, uh, one of the things that I absolutely hated early on was something called access at my old job. I'm allowed to say it. My mom will listen to it later and probably chastise me. I'm also determined to include my mom in every sermon I preach here at some point. If you've been here, you know. But anyway, so we did something called Dodgeball Donuts and Devos at local public schools. It was incredible, except for the fact that most middle school students want to hit you with a dodge. Not good at simple math. That's about 6.30 a.m. full dodgeballs being thrown at you. I don't think you understand the gravity of the situation. (laughs) Now compound that by years and years of essentially what would happen is, is we had multiple schools and I would go to these schools with, with 350 donut holes, walk into lunchrooms, tell all the kids they can come, play dodgeball, eat donuts, and then there's going to be a short message. And it was a public school and in Michigan we kind of found a loophole where essentially we could talk about Jesus before school hours officially started and there was a free will choice. And so over the years we built it to where there was in, in some points over 300 kids that were coming to this now at multiple schools and so it was great the only problem is is if you get hit with a dodgeball at 6 a.m 400 times it does not matter how many kids are coming you want to kill them <laughs> and and so I remember I was like there and 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 it got to the point where I just knew I would I knew what to do right I would tell a personal story one scripture application and really try to push home like no longer than seven minutes. And it got to the point where you just like half the time, like kids are throwing stuff and then you got the ones that want to act out and you got to throw hands. Um, just kidding. All of this is a joke, kind of. It was a different time back then. Back then, different time. Um, 
But I remember one, one day I hadn't done access in years. We'd, I'd raised up a team, and actually some of them, my wife did accesses, Justin and Sound did accesses. And I hadn't done them in years. And, 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 um, and so what had happened was, is I remember we did something in our church, a, a decently... Uh, impactful event. And while I was there speaking afterwards, a student came up to me and he said, Hey, can I talk to you? And I said, yeah. And he pulled me aside and he said, Hey, I'm a senior. I'm about to graduate. And I wanted to let you know that there was, you made a huge impact on my life. And I'd never met this kid, never seen him. I was like, okay, well, what, what do you mean? And he said, and I came to that access and he quoted the scripture that I spoke he quoted the, the, the story I told and the application that I gave five years later to my face and said that made a huge impact on my life. Now, if you ask me in the moment, right, man, was that sacrifice worth it? Let's wake up at 5.30 a.m. and go get hit in the face with dodgeballs, right? But what's funny is sacrifice reframed within the confine of fulfillment and a gratification that you paid a cost that most wouldn't. And I want to challenge you today. I think a lot of us, we look at sacrifice as a cost of if we want to pay it rather than I want to pay it because it's something nobody does anymore. Our society has been so superficially motivated and borderline narcissistic in nature that it's created this within the spiritual climate of what does it mean to sacrifice? It's a great question. We're going to talk about it right now. So what I want to do is I want to jump in, and it's funny. I want to jump into the Last Supper. Now, many of us are immediately going to be like, wow, heard a billion teachings on this, and I'm going to be like, great, you're going to hear a billion and one. But the Last Supper, what you may not know, and I kind of want to refocus on it in the book of John, is actually you find that the Last Supper is in John 13, 1 to 15, Luke 22, 14 to 23, Matthew 26, 26 to 35, and Mark 14, 22 and onward. Now, my favorite context of the Last Supper are Luke and John, and you're going to understand why here in a second. But what you need to understand is most common in, in the context of Last Supper is the breaking of the bread and the drinking of the wine signifying Jesus' sacrifice for us. John essentially rewrites that entire evening in a way that nobody else does. And Luke adds a little caveat that I love that we're going to bring in. But what you need to know is this before we even jump into it. The Gospel of John is written 60 to 70 years after the death of Jesus. John is estimated to be 80 to 90 years of age at this time. And he is not only that, he has seen 60 to 70 years of church formation and growth. He has now also seen the, the remnants of what would become the Great Schism in A.D. 1054, where it formed their own almost ideologies. And what essentially is happening is he's seeing the Eucharist, the Last Supper, used in a context that maybe it wasn't intended for. How do we know that? We're going to read about it. John 13, 2, verse 15. During supper, the devil, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him, 
Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, got up from the supper, laid aside his garments, and taking a towel, he girded himself. Then he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel he was girded. So he came to Simon Peter and he said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, what I do, you do not realize. Peter said to him, never shall you wash my feet. Jesus answered, if I do not wash you, you have no part in me. Now, what you need to understand before we continue is this. Matthew and Mark, the passages of of the Last Supper do not include this. Luke does not include this. Matthew, Mark, and Luke has no mention of Jesus washing the disciples' feet in this moment. We see Jesus talking about the sacrifice of breaking the bread and giving the cup. But why do you think John doesn't even mention that? It's almost like to say, and this, once again, we're, we're just going to wade into the deeps here, is it's almost as if John has assessed everybody, right, the, the elements and the symbolism of Jesus' sacrifice. I'm going to say that again because it's so good. Jesus, right, when he breaks the bread and gives the cup, he's signifying what I'm going to do for you in John He's signifying what you're going to do for others. And man, I think a lot of us, we're all focused on the God that's doing something for us instead of the God that compels us to do things for others. Let's keep reading. Verse 10, Jesus said to him, he was bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew the one who was betraying him. For this reason, he said, not all of you are clean. So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so am I. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, wash your feet, you also should wash others' feet. For I give you an example that you also should do as I do. I'm going to end, or or not end. We've got like three more hours. (laughs) Some people got real light. Okay, no, but seriously, there's some games on right now. (laughs) Luke's gospel gives more, uh, another interesting element to this because, and I want to frame it through the lens of, I don't know when this happened. So, and you can call me a heretic, but let's just say this happens right after Luke's, Luke's little spot. Listen to this one. And there arose also a dispute, this is Luke 15, to which of them was regarded to be the greatest? Think about this. And this is after, in Luke's gospel, he breaks the bread, does the wine, and then immediately after they start arguing about who's the greatest. Let's add context of break the bread, did the wine, washed the feet, and then who's the greatest? Think about that. Jesus essentially saying, right, this is my body, this is my blood poured out for you as an offering. Let me wash your feet, showing and signifying what you're going to do. And then in that moment of deep intimacy and revelation from heaven, all right, so who's the best one here? Think about that. 
Let's keep reading. And he said to them, the kings, of the, uh, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who have authority over them are called benefactors. But it is not this way with you. The one who is the greatest among you must become like the youngest and the leader like the servant. For who is greater, the one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I am among you as the one who serves. I love it because Jesus is confronting ideology. I'm going to sacrifice myself for you. And what's interesting is he, he and, and we know this now that most of the, the disciples um, end up being martyred or killed for him. But he gives, he doesn't say this is how you're all going to end up, you're all going to die. He does actually in other passages, but in that particular passage, right, example. So he gives one example of how he's living and then another example of how they're living and then we have the reality of how they function. He's living, I'm sacrificing everything. Your living is, hey, will you wash some feet? And our reality most of the time is, am I the best? Am I the greatest? Am I different? Am I excluded? Am I an exception? Am I above? So what I wanted to do today is I wanted to talk about some thoughts on dirty humility and messy. Because we don't really have to even get into the nitty gritty of what it means, right, to wash somebody's feet in Middle Eastern time where they only wore sandals and they walked on dirt roads. Like, how, do, you, do any of us know, have like that smelly foot friend where you like, keep the shoes on, bro? Like, I lived with a lot, we lived in community houses growing up, me and a, and a bunch of guys, and it was like, you knew the ones where you like, do not unlace your shoes. But once again, when we talk about, right, this dirty humility is essentially Jesus doing something he didn't need to, didn't have to, in all honesty, was overqualified for. And I think that's the sad thing about sacrifice is most of us assess it through the, do I need to? Do I want to? Am I overqualified for? And I want to challenge that perception and that reality because if that's how you sacrifice I'm going to say this pointed, but you'll never know the fullness of the Savior. Because Jesus' depth and his discipline was in place so he could understand and withstand the sacrifice. And even then, he was sweating blood. Even then, he was saying, Father, would you take this cup from me? Even then, God was sending angels to strengthen him for the ordeal that he was going to face. Even then... What is dirty humility and messy compassion? I say messy compassion because, man, it's so easy to talk about compassion, and it's another thing to forgive. It's another thing to just trust. It's another thing to let go. It's another thing to be somebody who decides I'm not going to be bitter. I love the passage where it talks about let no bitter root take place in you because I think we read that and we're like, oh, I'm not bitter. And then we realize like, literally, don't even turn on the news nowadays because it's like bitter versus bitter. <laughs> but I just want to challenge us. What is, what is, when I ask you what is true humility, right? I think we would have definitions, but if I asked you another passage, right? Or another question, what is that, that dirty humility, 
Like Jesus washing the feet of the boys who've been out in the desert walking in the gross stuff. What into it, but God is asking you to seven times 70. What are those things? First point today, we do what is beneath us to show who is above us. I was at, uh, years ago, my sister was living in Florida, and it was in the height of Redbox. Does anybody remember Redbox? All of us know Redbox. Hallelujah, yeah. Right? And then before that, it was family video, for us at least. Redbox, right? So I remember, I'm at my sister's house. We really wanted to watch a a movie, and so what we did is we reserved the Redbox. Now, if you reserve a red box and you show up to a red box, you get your what you reserve, right? Not today. I red box, show up to get my red box, and it's not there. It's gone. And I'm like, how is this possible? I reserved red box. Like, I'm an American. When I reserve something, I get what I reserved. It's like if Amazon says it's getting delivered in the window... That mug better be in the window, right? I've never in my life reserved a red box, paid for it, showed up, and it's just gone. And I remember the Lord, and this was, like I said, years ago, I felt like the Lord was like, Mike, I just want you to go inside and walk around Walgreens. And I'm like, it's like 10 o'clock. And I'm like, all right, sweet, I guess. I'm in the middle of Florida where I don't live, don't know anybody. So I walk inside, and like walking around, I'm like, Lord, I don't really, we're in Walgreens, I guess. Here we are. Like, finally, I'm just like, okay, I don't know. Those are goaded. And, and, and I go to check out, and there's somebody with a cart of groceries at Walgreens. Now, newsflash, there's some college students in here. Don't buy your groceries at Walgreens. CVS, pharmacies, just do not. If you buy groceries there, you will be judged. Like, in heaven. <laughs> and I remember, I'm like looking, and in my mind, I'm like, who buys their gro- I mean, this, this lady is stocked. It's over $80. And I'm like thinking to myself, I'm like, what is going on? And she starts swiping her card and it's declined. Swiping her card, decline. Like, yeah, this is why you're in the store. And I was like, oh, but I am a young college. Yeah, I was probably 22, 23. I was like, oh, I, I'm not that wealthy, God. <laughs> like, I, I love you a lot, but there are limits to the love. <laughs> And it was one of those where, like, I did, like, the Gideon's fleece of, like, all right, God, if you give it four more swipes. <laughs> what? Because I'm like, I'm like, if your cards declined one time, like, you ain't keeping swiping that mug. You're just like, all right, I'm out. <laughs> you know? So she's like, she just hits four quick. Bam, bam, bam. I'm like, dang it. <laughs> now, I remember I step up and I'm like, hey, I- I'm going to pay for these groceries. And the woman is just like looking at me like, what? And I'm like looking at her like, who buys groceries at Walgreens? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, man, what? So, so I genuinely remember this. I, I go and she's like arguing with me and I'm like frustrated because I'm about to spend $87 at Walgreens. And I remember I swipe my card and I look and she looks at me and she says, I have never, I've worked here over 15 years. I've never seen somebody do what you just did. Why? And I proceeded to just go f- full throttle. I was like, well, it's like I showed up, felt like the Lord told me to walk around the store because my red box, I, I got. <laughs> and, 
And she was like, she was like, I've, I've never, I've never known Jesus like that. Would you pray for me to experience him like you do? Where did it come from? Evangelism. I'm going to pray God. I'll pray harder. Where did it come from? I'll sacrifice. Man, and I believe a lot of us want to make a difference. But a lot of us also don't want to sacrifice. And those things in the kingdom are one and the same. The humility of service shows others we do not sit on the throne. He does. Second, compassion is non-conforming. I think it's so easy to practice compassion with the people we want to practice it with. Like with my wife. First off, my wife's perfect. Genuinely. It's ridiculous. (laughs) Rachel's in the back like, yes, he is. (laughs) That's my my friend. Uh, Literally, she's so perfect that they got a new stroller and emergency contact. They didn't even write my name on it. They only put hers. I'm still bitter about that. God, I repent. But... Here's the deal. I really believe this. In scripture, I want to I really open our minds to something today. Jew and Gentile in scripture are polar opposites. So when Jesus starts muddying the water of, hey, it's not just going to be Jews who get me, but it's actually going to be possibly some Gentiles. And then when Paul starts going on these Gentile journeys and stirring up dissension, what's really happening is somebody and doing something that doesn't necessarily fit the status quo. And I want to say this to you. Compassion is non-conforming. And what I mean is this. I want to challenge your compassion today. And I'm going to start with a list. See, compassion is not conforming for the Jew and the Gentile. Compassion is non-conforming for the pro-life and for the pro-choice. Compassion is compassion is non-conforming to the Republican and the Democrat. Compassion is non-conforming to the vax and the anti-vax. Compassion is non-conforming to the conservative and the liberal. Compassion is non-conforming to the black and to the white, to the rich and to the poor, to the CNN and the Fox News, to the healthy and the sick. See, a lot of the times we want our compassion to only stay on one side. And the only way your compassion is shown as being his is when... And I believe in this day and age, what we've done is we've chosen the people who can have compassion and we've alienated the ones who can't. I promise you, God is coming back for a church that hasn't picked a side. He's coming for a church that will go after the one that will love the person in front of him. If your compassion conforms only to your belief system, it's not compassion. It's counterfeit. The first... Week of service here, I was on a, a prayer walk being super spiritual. Some of you guys are going to know this because I told kind of our core team this story and they're going to laugh already. But I was walking and I remember I was walking and I have a route where I walk and pray and I'm dead serious. Here's the deal if you didn't know, our church is in an interesting area. <laughs> We're in an interesting area where I have a lot of incredible interactions with homeless people. <laughs> And there's nothing wrong with that. 
That's actually what compassion and what I'm walking is. And I'm walking down the street. I'm praying over the first Sunday. I'm stewing on my message. I'm in tune with God. Fire me up. Get me ready. And there is a lady 50 feet from me losing her mind on the sidewalk. I mean, dancing, just crazy all over. And I'm like looking at her like, man, I'm trying to pray. I'm trying to get the message. I'm trying to get everything locked in. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to cross to the other side. And then the Lord was like, you're going to cross the other side. And I was like, oh my gosh, no, I will not cross the other side as the good Samaritan story emulates with the religious and the self-righteous. And I remember we're launching in 30 minutes and I've got a homeless lady right in front of me that is out of her mind, can't even have a sentence, and is just dancing. And I remember I get about 10 feet from her. She stops, stares right at me, and is terrified. And I just looked right at her and just... (laughs) 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 And she she looked at me, she looked at me, and just started losing. And we're on the side... And we're on the sidewalk, we're on... And we're just hitting it. And what's funny is this. What's funny is this. Right? What's... I knew that story. That story's going to give me another 25 minutes of preaching. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. I think for a lot of us, Compassion didn't extend to that situation because it didn't fit what I needed to do, where I wanted to go, what I was actually there for. See, it didn't, it wasn't necessarily cookie cutter. Okay, God, I'll have compassion in this moment for somebody who maybe could not even cognitively understand it. But I will set an example. If you lead, I'll follow. If you ask, I'll do. And I think once again, when we talk about compassion, it's in the perfect box. It's when, it's when it meets the needs of, but also kind of fills us up with a sense of fulfillment. And I want to challenge you today that if your compassion has conformed to your comfort, you don't possess it. My last point is this. And by last, I mean second to last. (laughs) Service is about the love this story of Jesus washing the disciples feet because what's the first thing he does before he starts washing? He strips off the outer layer. And I believe a lot of us, we want to sacrifice, but we don't want to strip anything off that would allow sacrifice to transform us internally. Not just the activity of it externally, but it to transform how we function, how we live. It is not just a position we must carry. If we only want service in which people will see us, it's not going to happen within the context of what you want. Sacrifice should challenge your comfort level. It should change your activity, but more than anything, it should change your heart. We should be waking up every day and saying, God, is there somebody I should be sacrificing for today? And once again, I want to go back to this. It comes from depth and discipline. If you're not, if you don't have depth and discipline and you really want to sacrifice, I'm telling you, it's not going to lead to fulfillment. 
But if you have depth and you have discipline, sacrifice is that, that stir stick where it just gets everything going together and it's incredible. And my last point is this. I want to challenge you to commit to paying a cost. Commit to paying a cost. Commitments that cost are the commitments that change. And I think a lot of us, what we do is we weigh the cost versus the gain. What if you just trusted God and paid the cost over and over and over and believed in kingdom interest? And my final thought to you just on that is I, I pray that you would challenge. I'm gonna, God's going to challenge you in the two most primary areas of sacrifice are your time and your finances. If you can look at your life and say, man, I don't give much time and I don't give any finance. Those are the things that sit on the throne of our humanity. The things that we spend our time on are typically the things that we cherish and value. The things that we spend our money on are typically the things that we cherish and we value. Typically value, is he someone we typically value? And I want to even take it a step further because I believe that for a lot of us, we're like, well, I don't have much. I cannot get, don't even get me started on the people in scripture who did not have much, but man, God did something. Because they were willing to sacrifice the sacrifice that did not much they have and trusted that when partnering with the kingdom, he provided. Your cost is when you pay cost, there's something that changes the theology of yourself. And the reason we're talking about sacrifice is because your commitment, your commitments to paying a cost are the things that will change you into the image of what you're paying. And if you're only sacrificing for this human world, I'm going to tell you this, humans will fail you. People will fail you. Hobbies and things. Golf fails me all the time. (sighs) But I'll tell you this, H, or on any stage for that matter, I burn 10,000% and ask you to sacrifice in a way that I have not. Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice. This church was rooted in me and my wife sacrificing everything. We had a great life in Michigan, surrounded by our family, an incredible church. Very, everything was lined up. But just that little whisper... See, there was a depth and a discipline that allowed me to to listen to God. And then when he started whispering about sacrifice, depth and discipline reinforced that the sacrament to do, to convince you the sacrifice is worth it. If you do not have depth and discipline, the sacrifice is never worth it. But if you do, and all of a sudden you start stirring your depth and discipline with a sacrifice and sacrificial mindset of I will strip off the layers of this world and I'll wash the feet. There's purpose that's formed. And I would say it like this. There's purpose. The strength of you, the heart of you, the character of you is iron plated. 
What are you spending your time on? What are you spending your resources on? And if God's not in any of those, he's probably not much in here. Let's stand to our feet. Here at Fix 8, a posture that we have is we just pray the message over people. So if you would, whatever that that posture of receptivity is, we're just going to pray this message over our congregation that it would be a transaction of heaven and earth in which the Holy Spirit just imparts. Father, would you show us today what it means to wash the feet of our society, to strip off the outer layers, to take up the towel in the basin and practice a humility and standard that is so outside of our comfort zones that it redefines comfort going forward. Oh God, we long to be like you. May we not insulate ourselves with the choosing of sides that we... Today we seek humility. We seek to be the healing balm of compassion that so often heals the wounds of a world that maybe has never been bandaged in it. Today, may we become a people who are willing to do what is viewed as beneath us to show that you truly are above us. May compassion go across the enemy lines we have in place in our lives of party, economic class, skin color, belief system, and create a place for your love to impact us just as much as it's impacted the world. Be something that is in our hearts more than just playing into our schedules. And more than anything today, God, we say we will not run from the cost. We will not run from anything that hurts or requires something of us. We follow the image of you, the one who sacrificed everything so we could have access to all. In this example, we long to live, willing to sacrifice everything so our neighbors, our families, and our world can have access to the all things that is only found in a relationship with you. We choose Jesus today. We choose Jesus tomorrow. We choose Jesus always. 